This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Horatius, Horatius, in the beginning, Baralakim, that's a Shemayim, that's Aretz. Shem created the Shemayim and the Aretz. Aretz, the, the, the land, was empty. Empty, was nothing there. And it was dark um, upon the surface of the deep. And the Ruach of Hashem, whatever the Spirit of Hashem, um, was hovering on the water. Seems to be there was water there before the first day. If Hashem's Ruach was hovering over the water, and in the beginning Hashem created the world, seems to be that the water was there. So the water was here before the world, before any of those days. Everyone thinks the second day, that's why I asked the question. But also, darkness was there. The choshech, al-paneh to home, the darkness was already in the world before creation, and the water was in the world before creation. The water was never created in the second day, third day, fourth day, was split, went to Shemayim, Aretz, was, was, was split from the earth, separated from the earth, but the water was always there. So you're going to ask me, like, so when did Hashem create water? So we're not going to get into the whole Zayar and Kabbalah that Hashem created many worlds and He destroyed many worlds till He got to our world. What does that mean? He couldn't figure it out till He got it right. Whatever it is, we don't know. We don't know what it means. Hashem is infinite. So Hashem's not 6,000 years old, 5,780 years old. He's, he's way, way before that. We don't even, it's like, we don't, we don't even understand in time. So, so there were many different worlds that were created, and maybe they went out, they went 6,000 years and got, like our world, and, uh, got destroyed. But this is the world of the human being. This world that we're in right now is the world of the human being. What was on those other worlds, we don't know. But, this sphere in, in the, in Shemayim, whatever, in wherever, the earth was a body of water, and it was dark, lights out. It says that right? So it was dark. So what I shouldn't create on the first day? Light. Darkness was here already. Hashem saw that light was good. So Hashem separated light and dark. But it doesn't say anywhere here on the first day he created dark. Dark, dark was here already. Dark was here, and water was here. It's a very big mistake. When you ask, whoever asks, when did Hashem create water? Second day. Separated. What? Separated. He separated them on the second day, but He created it before this world. So, why am I telling you this? So I came up with an idea that I'd like to do this year, and that is that before every year, to... We want to develop a relationship with God, and the way you develop a relationship is when you appreciate someone, right? One of the problems we have with Kivit Avayim is that we don't appreciate our parents. So we don't appreciate them, we can't have a relationship with them. But if I don't know what you're doing for me, right, it's harder for me to appreciate you. Because you're like, you're doing all this for me, but I don't know about it. You keep putting money in my bank account. Well, I don't know about it, so I'm going around collecting money and living, I'm saying not me, but a person who's very poor, 
right? And he's, he's collecting scraps of food. And meanwhile, I'm putting money in his bank account, but I, it's a bank account I opened up. He has, he'll never know about it. Bank account in, 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 in some bank. He doesn't know about anything. I keep putting money. Am I doing him a favor? No, it's, he's, he's not going to use it. He doesn't know about it. So when I come to him, I'm like, you know, for 30 years, I'm putting money in a bank account for you. And you don't say thank you. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? Why should I say, what are you talking about? I don't know anything about it. So one of the ways to develop a relationship with Hashem is to appreciate Him and to learn about what He does. Like the Earth, it's not it's not this week's, but you know the Earth is spinning at a crazy speed because what, what keeps the Earth from there's no strings. It's Yeshmayin. There's, there's this Earth going around the going around the Sun, but there's nothing holding it up. There's no strings. So how does it? Why doesn't the Earth just fall through space? Because it's spinning. And I don't know the exactly, we'll learn last, next week how fast it's spinning. Well, it's spinning really fast, but you're not spinning. The earth is spinning, but you're not spinning. You'd be crazy dizzy. How's that possible? Why isn't that? And, and if the earth stops spinning, it'll fall. One of the things they ask atheists is who start, who started, who spun it the first time? Like, it's, it's spinning, but who started the spinning? So it couldn't have started spinning on itself. It had to have some, Energy to spin it, whatever. It's a different, different share. So tonight I brought ice, not to drink, and water, yes, to drink maybe, and a good hot tea. Why? Because God, cre- God created water before this world, but what water does, He created after this world. What do I mean? So we don't think about it. You want, a, you want a cold drink in the summer, right? So you go to your freezer and you have ice. But what is ice? Ice is water below 32 degrees. So Hashem created the ability of a liquid to become a solid at 31 degrees. At the same time, he, at room temperature, it's a liquid. But at the same time, at 200, and I did, I did prepare for this year, that at 212 degrees, at 212 degrees, water boils. Okay? So, Rosh Hashem, I have a nice hot tea. I'm not up to it yet because it's my sample for my share. But if you want a hot coffee or you want a hot soup or the, some of the vegetables that God created, like a potato, which you cannot eat raw, has to be cooked. Otherwise, nobody would be able to eat potatoes and other certain other vegetables that you can't eat raw. And you wouldn't be able to eat chicken. If you don't cook the chicken, you can't eat the chicken raw. You'd be very sick. Or meat raw. So, he took water, which was here before time, before the world, and he created in the world the ability for water to be a liquid, a gas, steam, or a solid. And every single day, we drink bottles of water, we put things in our freezer, so that the food that Hashem created can be preserved by being put in a freezer. We cook things in our pots. The same water is the freezing and and cooking, and this all happened after creation. So tonight, the appreciation that he, I'm trying to bring to the table that the human being should have is what, what water does, what it could do. And that Hashem put in this world this ability at 31 degrees for this water 
to this water to totally change into a solid. So next time you have some ice or ice cream or ices or take something, a frozen piece of meat or fish or vegetables or whatever you're taking out of your freezer, you should thank Hashem that He gave the ability of 31 degrees to be able to freeze something in this world. Don't take it for granted. And when you're sitting having a nice hot coffee, it's the same water that's this ice and this liquid is in your hot coffee at 212 degrees that you boiled it and your tea and your soup and that we should have a conscience thank you, a conscience appreciation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu when it comes to this. Even though he did not create it on the first or second or third day, but he created what he could do on those days. And nothing would grow without water. So all the things that grow, not in, a, not in an ice form or in a 212 degree form, but in regular water, liquid form, that's what makes things grow on this earth. So tonight's shear is dedicated to the appreciation of water. Right? Got that, everyone? All right. Now, connected to what I'm telling you, it didn't, it was not my idea to start this, doing this every shear. And we're going to have some very interesting scientific, scientific facts in this year. But the idea came to me on Simchas Torah after I read a story in the Ma'am Loyez, which is actually in his Hakdama before Bereshis, his preface before Bereshis. He says an amazing story, and it's about what I just told you. So he says the following. I don't want to lose you, I know, but I look and I lose you, but to try and try all the ADD patients, students... In the class, you have to try, even though I'm not going to be looking at you, to try to focus on the story. It's an amazing story. And it talks about a king, a great king, who he wasn't um, like regular kings. He, he had to earn, like not like today's generation. Whatever you got, you have to earn. There was no freebies. Right? You got what you earned. You worked for it. You owned it. So he had three, he had three sons. He had three sons. And he wanted his kids to earn that they're their princes and that they're and, and, and that they should grow and become in the future they should become kings. So he said the following Shimu Yikara, my my delicious children, my special children, I want I'm going to send you on a mission. And then I want you to come back and give me a report on on what you found. So he puts the three of them on a Svina, on a boat, and they go to Africa, Kush, which is Africa. And on their way in Africa, the boat stops at a huge island. And on that island was an amazing garden. They went there. And they found the gate, the door to the garden open. So you have these three guys, three princes, and they're on this island, and they're at this garden. There were three guards at this garden. There was one very old man, who was bent over in half. Like he was old and bent over. When he saw the three boys, he said to them, Banim, my, my children, he come into the garden. But no. In the end, you're going to have to come out of the garden. You're not going to be able to stay there forever. You can't 
you just need to know that whatever you find in this garden might be amazing, but you need to know that you're going to have to leave the garden at one point. Okay. Hashem HaShaini, the second Shemer, the second guard, Hayamuku Patsua. He was ugly, um, leprosy, like, ugh, terrible, terrible looking thing, person. And he said to them, eat and drink as much as you want. Until you're full, until you're satisfied. I would do no when you leave this garden, you can't take anything with you. You're going to leave this garden, but I'm telling you, whatever you find in the garden, you can have while you're in the garden. But once you leave the garden, you cannot take anything. Hashlishi. Was, was not old, was not old, was not young. And he was very good looking. He said to the three boys, when you eat in the garden, make sure you eat good food. And don't eat anything that's raw. That's not, don't eat anything that's, that's not ready. That's not ripe. That's what it means. It's not ripe. Or if it's rotten, or it's not good, don't eat it. And don't hurt yourselves. Okay. These three boys, they go into the garden. There are many trees in the garden. And there are many fruits. And there are rivers. And wells of water. Very sweet. There's a lot of gold and silver. And jewels. Diamonds. So So they sat in the garden for many days. And they ate and they drank and they and they and they explored until they forgot that there was a boat. They got so used to the garden, they forgot that there's a home and a father and humans and a town and a city and a boat. They got like into this garden. I mean you see where it's going. They got very into this into this garden. Okay. They decided to split up the three boys. They all went to a different side of this of this gan garden. Vayagana Gadol was so big this garden, and no one knew where the other guy was. One guy just sat and all day long. All he did was eat and drink. He ate and he ate and he went from this from this tree to that tree and this and this well to this well to this spring. And he was just stuffing himself. Okay. Hashem Elohei is some lived to do again. The second one says, like, you're wasting, like, I'm not going to waste my time sitting here eating and drinking. All he was interested in was collecting the diamonds and the gold and filling up his pockets. In the beginning, he filled up his pockets, his jacket pocket, his pants pocket, his shirt pocket. But he saw there's still a lot of more jewels. He took off his shirt. He made it into a sack. And he started filling up his shirt. Now that was a sack with all these diamonds. And that's all he did all day. He's filling up. Took his pants off. Made that into a sack. Took his socks off. Made that into a, Whatever he could. The more he collected, the more he wanted to collect. 
till he took off all his clothing. And he remained without any clothing on. We use a nice lotion. He also called of Sakim because he took all his clothing and he made them into sacks. And he carried this all on his back as he was going through the garden. And he became very weak. We keep up and he became unhealthy. He wasn't eating, he wasn't sleeping, he was crazy about the money. He didn't eat, he didn't drink. His taiva was so much to, to collect this money. So you have two out of the three guys. One is just sitting and eating and stuffing his face. And the other one is just collecting gold and jewels and, so the third one. But in the eyes of the third brother, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing with my water. He wasn't, he wasn't going to sit and eat, and he wasn't going to sit and collect money. Because he was very smart. He said, I want to understand this garden. So I'm going to explore and try to figure out what's going on in here. Gold and food and water. And well, let's find out what's going on here. He wanted to figure out how is this, how is such a beautiful place? Like what's running it? But by in one in one in one uh, island, umihu who is the owner of this gan? who's taking care of all this? That this kind of food and there's water and everything's matching each other and there's who who owns this? Who's the master of the garden? So he said, I'm going to explore. Aleph for Eres minus Hamayim. So he checked out and he started to map out. He, a, he, he wrote a map of the whole island. He checked out every day a different fruit. He wrote about it. He studied it. He said, these amazing things cannot be happening from their own. Whoever owns this garden, he must be very smart. Because he said, I never saw such beautiful things, and it's, it's unbelievable. Okay. So he went from one side of the, of the, of the, one side of the island to the other side to try to understand what's going on. Anyway, who's the owner of the gun? Kisha'av is man after a while. The three brothers met. Right? They got back together. Ro, Ebed, Echad. And they saw this servant coming, the Hurutsa, running towards them. And in his hand was a letter. And the letter said, Miyad Elamelech. Immediately go to the boat, and you gotta go back to the king. That the king sent a message, he wants to see his three sons in his palace. Because the time is up. And he wants them. To, he wants to get a report now from these three guys of what happened in the garden. Ha'acharishon, the first brother, Shashikay Atzmei Bechila, who all he did his whole time in the garden was eating. Kishjotim and Agan, when he left the garden to go back to the boat, Mishdana Ha'avir, the the air was different outside of the of the island. Umiyan Chosh Atzmei Bara, and immediately became very sick because the food was different, the air was different. He died on the boat. He got sick, 
from all the food he ate, the change of weather, the change of everything, this guy died. Okay, so it didn't end up so good with him. Ha'achasheni, the second brother, who collected the whole time he was busy with his, took all his clothing and made them into sacks. When he got to the gate of the garden, the Shevim said, you know, we warned you, you can't take anything with you. So they took everything that he had. They hit him. They embarrassed him. And he got onto the boat. Stark, no clothing. They took all, all his clothing had the jewelry in it. He didn't have anything anywhere. He had, he had like a, a wallet. They took everything. He realized that everything he did the whole time he was on the island was for naught, was for nothing. But the third brother, he remembered that the shame of the Gan said that you can eat whatever you want, but you can't take anything with you. But while he was going through the garden, he took some stones, some jewelry, and some diamonds, and he put them underneath his tongue. So when he left the garden and they checked his clothing, they didn't find it, and he didn't talk. So he snuck out from the garden some stuff underneath his tongue. And he left the garden. And the shaman of the Gan said, Goodbye, you should have peace. And the two brothers went on to the boat. So they come now to the town, to the, to the palace. And the brother that had no clothing looked like a monkey. Kimachmas Hatsar, that through the pain that they took away all the money that he collected and that they beat him up at the gate for being such an idiot and taking his clothing off and doing that, he, he became very sick. And when he came to the city and he said, I am the son of the king, he said, you know, you're a monkey, you're, you're, you're not the son of the king, you look at what you look like. You're not the prince that left, we don't believe you, you're a liar. And they didn't let him into the city. Even though he cried bitterly, and he said, "I am the son of the king." She that left to the other side of the world. They they didn't listen to him. They threw him to the horses. The the guards of the city lifted their eyes. There was a handsome, good-looking, full boy. They recognized right away, this is, this is the prince. They brought him with great covenant, it's almost all the story, to the, to the palace of the king. And he told the king everything that happened on the, he told his father everything that happened on the island. But he said to his father, Adonia Melech, my master, the place you sent me was perfect. Like everything worked. There's nothing like this in the whole world. And when he started talking, he had to take the jewelry, the, the stones from his mouth. 
He said, I brought this back because I want to show you, king, that he didn't know that the king was the, was the, was the owner of the garden. He said, I want to show you like, like uh, a souvenir from this garden. Look at this diamond. I mean, you, there's nothing in the world like this diamond. So he took it out of his mouth. The whole time I was there, I was trying to figure out me who Who is the owner of this amazing garden? And that's all I did there. Was trying to figure out. I mapped it out. I wrote everything down. Who did this? When the king heard this, he accepted him with great love. He hugged him. The nishku. And he kissed him, and he said, you keep keep the matanas that you brought. And he was so happy that he didn't go after the food, and he didn't go after the money, that that's all he did while he was there. This is the main part of the whole story. And then he told him secretly, all the secrets of the garden. And he revealed to this son that I am the owner. I designed the garden. I'm the one who made this garden. I'm the owner of the garden. And that's when he made him the next, he, he brought him up to Gedele, he made him the next king. And that's why we're in this world. God, who is the king of the world, sends down our souls from Shemayim, to travel through this world. But we're warned. You can't, when you leave the garden, this world, can't take anything with you. you got to leave it here. You can't take your money, you can't take your food, you can't take your covered, you can't take your family, you can't take anybody, you can't take anything. Just like they were warned. He says, Chaguf, the body, Daimolasvina is compared to a boat, this boat that had these kids on it. And we don't know the schar, we don't know what mitzvah, what schar of a mitzvah, what you get, what the reward is. Torah doesn't tell us that. And people come down to this world, and some people, all they do is stuff their face. Food, this food, this food, that restaurant, pizza. My, Rabbi Gamil always says to everyone who comes to me, goes, you think you came to this world to eat pizza? He always says that. You're a pizza eater. You think that's why Hashem brought you to this world? To eat pizza? Or to eat a good sandwich? You think that's why you're here? It's not why you're here. So there are people who, I'll try not to be, uh, there are people, in their whole life, what they do is they stuff themselves with food. This food, that food, this drink, that drink. And then a person dies, and and who get and and the, and the the air changes because the person dies, and now he's in a spiritual world. He's no longer in a physical world, but a spiritual world is dead because all he did was live in a physical world. It's an interesting thing. It, it brings down in the in, I think it's in Rashi's Chachmor, a different sefer, that the pain of death depends. How much pain a person has when he when his neshama leaves his guf? It depends how much he he served his guf during his life. 
In other words, a person who eats just to live, and his whole life he's spiritual. So when he dies, the separation from the guf doesn't hurt the neshama. The neshama doesn't miss the guf, because it wasn't that connected to the guf its whole life. They weren't such a team. He was, it was just, I need you to be able to read, to be able to learn, to be able to daven. But, but a person whose whole life is physical, when he dies and the physical part is ripped away from the spiritual part, it's so crazy painful. So the more you're physical, the more the pain when a person dies. The more you're spiritual, a real tzaddik, when yatsa nishmasa, it's, it's not, it's like, in, in, in Kabbalah, it's like, it says it's like stepping from one room to another room. It's nothing. Because his whole life he was in the other world. He wasn't busy eating and drinking and iPhones and, 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 all, and all the, had to throw iPhones in, and all the, all the, have to get into this year, and all the physical parts, physical, the whole time being physical, and now all of a sudden you die and you can't be physical anymore, and it's like, oh my God, it's like ripping a, it's like ripping a piece of paper in half, whatever it is. But, but a person who's totally spiritual, it says, it says in Kabbalah, it's like just walking out of one room into another, death is nothing. It's like stepping out of a room and going into another room. It's nothing. So this, this person, what, what this whole marshal is, and that, the reason that I'm, that I'm telling you this marshal is because it's a long, I read this on Simchas Taira, and I said to myself, you know what? We're in this garden. And we need to be the third guy who studies the garden and, 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 and is in awe of who is the master that made water at 31 degrees become ice so I could keep things cold, and the same master made it at 212 degrees that it boils. And I don't have to eat raw eggs. I can eat cooked eggs. And, and it's, if it's not 212, and it's not 32, it's in between, it's a, it's a bottle of water. Who did this for me? So we just, we just, so I realized that the reason we're in this world is to appreciate, to be spiritual, and to appreciate the garden that we're in. So, that's what this story is all about. So the first brother was totally physical, and when he came into the, phys- into the spiritual world, when he left the garden and he got on the boat, he died, because it's not his world. So, so like a person, when he dies, if your whole life is, is physical, then when you come to the next world, you're, 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 you're dead. You don't have a spirituality. Because you didn't, you didn't live in that over here. You were busy with all the physical things in the world. When you come to the next world, you don't have anything. You're dead. The second guy, the second guy, sacrificed the lush of what he's using. And I'll, I'll tell you the most amazing fraternity that I, that I heard this week. The second guy took his clothing off, which represents everything that he has, his children, his time, time to learn, and he took his, his clothing off to collect money. Money was his whole life. So the first guy, Gashmius, was his whole life. Eating, 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 stuffing himself. And all he did was feed the worms. When he dies, who gets that? Who gets all everything that you eat? And the third, it says on the third day of a person being buried in the ground, his body opens up and everything that he, everything inside comes out. So, and, and, and the ground says, so what did you do? You fed me? Like, the more you eat, if you get down to it, what, what do you have at the end of it? Nothing. You're just feeding the maggots. That's what you're doing. So what are you doing? That's what this guy did. You're just eating and eating and eating and eating and drinking. That's what you want. So what are you doing? You're doing, you have nothing. So the second guy, his whole life was money. Chasing the money. He didn't give time to his kids. He didn't give time to Dobbin. He didn't give time to learning. Money, 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 money. So he took off 
parts of his clothing, parts of his life, that's a representation, he's taking over parts of his life, and he's collecting money, 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 but then when he comes to the door, when the person dies, right, they're like, what are you, an idiot? The most angels are standing there, what'd you do? You, 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 your bank account, you can't take your bank account, you can't take your money that's hidden underneath your, your, your mattress, you can't take one dollar, but you gave away all your, everything, davening, shul, children, family, life, for money. So in the next world, when you come to the next world, they look at you like you're not you're not a, a Ben Melech, you're not a, you're not a prince, you're not a, a Baal Neshama, you're you're an idiot. Your whole life you wasted on something. We told you when you came to Earth, when you came to this world, you can't take anything with you. What are you doing your whole life collecting money? There are people that have hundreds of millions of dollars, and they, and all they, they keep working. What are you working? Why are you working? You have a hundred million dollars in the bank. What are you working for? Your children? My father used to go crazy when people used to tell him that. I'm working for my children, my grandchildren. Then, 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 then you don't. Then you don't have what's it called? Then you don't have a muna. You, you, you're not Hashem. You can't support your children. Hashem gives parnasa, not a human being. So, I know someone. I know someone who told his family he was so rich that he was a big shot, and he got up at one of his speeches and he said, "I have enough money to support." All my children, my great grand, my grandchildren, and my great grandchildren, and buy them all a million dollar house, and give them enough money. All my great, and he had a lot of them, that, I'll, that they'll never have to work. He lost every. He died. He died. So the famous story of the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim said that he got up in a shul and he got up and he said that that Hashem is the one who gives you money and Hashem takes away money. And in one second, Hashem could take away all your money. Gave, 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 got up and gave a share. When he finished his share, this man came over to him, nice man. He said, Rabbi, I hate to disagree with you, but I think something you said today wasn't true. He said, what did I say? He said, well, I have 30 banks. I own 30 banks. Maybe it was Rothschild. I own 30 banks in 30 different countries. So yes, Hashem could take away all my money, but he can't do it in one second. They can't all 30... Go bankrupt in one. He's right, right? They, 30 banks in 30 countries are not going bankrupt in one second. So when the rabbi got up and said, Hashem can take away your money in one second, it's not true. Not my money. He can take away this, and then Belgium, and then England, but he can't take it away in one second. The Chobos Chaim looked at him and said, Who said Hashem has to take the money away from you? In one second, he could take you away from the money. You die. One second. All those 30 banks, they're not yours anymore. It's a famous story. So, so you think that you can make money for your children and your grandchildren. So this man, what happened? He died. Someone I knew very well. When he died, his wife had all the money. Because that usually goes to the wife and then to the kids. There was a big crook, a very young guy. She was an older woman. She was like maybe six, 55, 58, 60. And all of a sudden, this young guy started dating her and and telling her how beautiful she is and whatever and everything and everything. And she married him. No one understood. I knew this, but no one understood. She was a, like a 60-year-old woman. The guy was like 35 years old. He stole every penny. He got her to invest in something that wasn't true, whatever, to make a long story. Then divorced her. I have given money to feed that family. 
he got up and said, my great-grandchildren will never need money. You think as a human being that you are Hashem, that you could support something? Yes, of course, you're supposed to try to save, and it's nice to give your kids money, whatever it is. At the end of the day, you're not God. And God is the only one who has the key to, to money. And you can't take it with you. So, the second son in the story, are the people that give their whole life to money, in the end, the, the Malachim are standing there and say, we told you when we sent your soul down to earth that you can't take anything from earth back to the next world. What, do you, what did you do? You're an idiot. And they beat him up. And he's in the Kafa Keller and they're chasing him around and he's, he's not, he doesn't look like the prince or the son of, the, uh, of, of an Ashama because he didn't spend any time. The third one, the third one, the Neshama comes back to Shemayim and says, my whole life, I learned Torah, I did mitzvahs, I studied this world to try to understand who runs this garden. What amazing being runs this garden. And while I was in this garden, I found amazing diamonds that I can take with me and that I did take with me under my tongue, so to say. What's, what does it mean, under my tongue? Taira, learning, and davening, and brachas. He says, while I was in this world of water, ice, and, and I did the other day the flowers that smell and all these other things, I found these diamonds. And that was making brachas and learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. And look at this, Hashem, it's amazing. What I found over there, you made an amazing world and you gave the Torah and you gave mitzvahs and you gave this ability. And Hashem is, that's right. It's, I am the master of the garden. I am the owner of the garden. I am the one who put this garden together. So, so as a third son, our job in this world is to study the amazing world that Hashem created and at the same time to learn Torah and do mitzvahs and that when we come to the next world, we have a connection, a relationship with Hashem. And after I read the story, I said, like, like, how could I bring my Chabura, my girls, or my boys, my Chabura, how could I bring them as a third son? How, how do I, besides giving them Musr to learn Torah do mitzvahs and don't waste your time with all these iPhone 12s and 13s, you can't take them with you. Not only iPhones, all this stuff that we're busy with, styles and things and that, it's, 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 a, it's, it's the second guard that was so ugly, the Satan that sells you and then you forget that you're on the you forget that, that you're in the garden, but you can't stay there forever, and that you're going to have to leave the garden. Everybody leaves the garden. Everybody leaves the garden, and all of a sudden, and this is how he explains it: you get a letter. It's not the letter. You get a letter from the king. Time to leave. Person dies. It's time to leave now. You got to leave now. And 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 it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm very rich. I'm good. I did very well. You know, I have a lot of money in the bank. I'm successful. And you find out when you get to the gate, they're like, no, money, everything has to stay here. And you're like, you're not successful. And eating food and all this other stuff just made you, just made you fat. It didn't do anything else for you. You can't take it with you. You're just feeding the maggots. So like, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in very big trouble. So when I, I sat there on, on Sims turn, I said, you know what? My job in my Chabura before I give a share is to discuss something in the garden. So that today we Baruch Hashem discussed Water, which was created before the world. Baruch Atah Adonai Amen. Amen.
Ah, hot tea. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you. Delicious. Right? Imagine you had no tea. Never had a tea. Never had a coffee. Never had a hot chocolate. So this morning in school I did this. I had a hot chocolate. Now I had a tea. Okay. I want to tell you over. I'm sorry it's a very long story, but it's a, it's, the story is a share. It's, it's such an important story. It's in the Mamloyes in his Hakdama. It's not on Beresh. It's, it's, it's why he wrote the Mamloyes. So it's his Hakdama in his preface before you even get into the Mamloyes. Listen to this. Very important. Very, very important. So in Bereshis was the Avera of eating from the tree. And I've said a lot of shiurim on it. But most of you have heard it. But I saw something. Actually, I didn't see it. It's from... Um, it's from Ari Lamelech Biederman. He says the following. So when he ate from the Eitzadas, beautiful shot. But Yishmu is called Hashem Elokim is Halach Bagan. Okay, but they 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 ate from the tree. Their eyes opened up. And they realized that they were unclothed. And they, they sowed, they sowed leaves of the fig tree. And they made clothing. Interesting medrash that they, they, they went to other trees and they asked them if they could have, and they wanted to take their leaves so they could cover themselves. And the other trees didn't let. Because they said, you, you sinned, we're not, we're, you can't have our... So they went back to the Eitz Hadas, and this is according to the Gemara, that the Eitz, that the Eitz Hadas was made from was a fig tree. They went back to the Eitz Hadas, and the Eitz Hadas let them use the leaves. Because they ate from the Eitz Hadas. But anyway, so, so by Yishmu is called Hashem Elohim is Halach Bagan. They heard Hashem in the garden. And they hid. They hid. They were hiding. Hashem said to Adam, where are you? Where are you? Now this is very deep, and I've never said this before because I never saw this before. This is so important. What does it mean, where are you? <laughs> you don't know where I am? Hashem, you know where everything is and you're asking me where I am? What was this question? How did, how did you girls ever learn this? Hashem's asking, where are you? If you don't know where I am, then you're not God. What kind of question is that? Where are you? Anyone have an answer for that? What? Yeah, but he's not asking about you. He's asking, where are you? What, what, what kind of question is that? What, should, what did you do? What did you do? He should have said, what did you do? What did you do? He asked him, where are you? It, it happens to be one of the answers is that he was, he was, he was asking, what did you do? Do tshuva, right? Okay. So, Vayomo, he didn't answer where he was. Other than answer the question. He's Jewish. Didn't answer the question, right? He said, I hear, I hear you. I, I, I know that you're, you're walking through the garden, Hashem, whatever that means. But Ira, and I'm scared. I have to use this word. I don't want to use this word because I once got into trouble for using this word. But in this, in this, I have to use this word. 
So he said, he, Hashem said, Who told you you're naked? I used that once in a shir and I got crazy people. How can you use that word? But it has to be, it, this, I have to use this word because it means naked for mitzvahs. So I have to use that word. You can't say unclothed, right? Who told you that, that you're naked? And did you eat from the tree? Is Right? So what was really going on here was very different than what it looks like. Adam did the first Avera. We have to look at this and see what happens to understand, like, what, what do you do when you do an Avera? So Adam felt that once he did this Avera, like many of us feel sometimes, that God was done with him. I had a girl this week said to me, God, I did this and this, and Hashem will never talk to me again. He will never talk to me. I say, he talks to you? <laughs> okay. No, he's done with me. I said, chas v'shom. Chas v'shom. You are, you are him. You are part of him. Hashem said to him, why are you hiding? Like you were saying, why are you hiding? I'm not done with you. You don't have to hide from me. Don't run away from me. Don't hide from me. I love you. You're my child. You made a mistake. You made a mistake. Don't hide from me. So he asked Adam, where are you? Ki erum min ha-mitzvahs. I am naked from mitzvahs. I am now, I didn't have veira. I'm, I'm unclothed spiritually. I'm unclothed spiritually. And Hashem said, no, that's, it's, it's never like that. Who told you that if you do an Avera, you're done with me? Who told you that? The Satan did that. The Satan comes to you and says, oh, you're such a sadekista. You're such a good girl. Do a little Avera, it's not going to be a big deal. You have so many mitzvahs, you'll, you'll, you'll go to Gan Eden. Now, if you're not such a good girl, you're doing bad stuff, he says, you're so bad, you're going to hell anyway, you might as well party. <laughs> he plays both sides. You might as well party. No matter what you do now, at this point, you're done. So the Satan told them, got them to do the Avera and said, you are Aram. You're done with God. You're finished. You're unclothed. You have nothing. And Hashem said to other, me, he, who sold you that? Who sold you that you don't have, that you're unclothed when you do an Avera? Did you eat from the tree? So, okay. So you ate from the tree. Okay, you made a mistake. You're not Aaron. And 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 in the end, in the end, my proof to this, I mean, this is from Rabbi Biederman, it's, it's, it's so deep, because so many people, he sells guilt, guilt, right, is not Jewish. Because because you do something wrong, you can do tshuva. You don't have to walk around your whole life that you're, that you're, that you're guilty. And, 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 you remind me if I forget to say it before I'm finished that about a story about Noah and why Noah was punished. We have a few minutes left. It's, it's all connected to this. But guilt. So that's that was this whole discussion over here, and that's what he said. But the pachno nehem, when the Adam and Chava's eyes opened up, byedu, they knew ki erumimheim. They they didn't have veira, and they felt not dressed. Spiritually. And that's why they were hiding. And Hashem said, you don't have to hide. Ayeka, why are you hiding? 
because you made a mistake so you think our relationship is over? You have to hide from me? It's, it's, as a parent, it's like, it's like sometimes a kid does something wrong and you're like, why are you running away from me? I love you. You don't have to run away from me. You don't have to hide. Like my little grandchildren, you don't have to hide. It's okay, Shefla. You broke something? Okay. You don't have to hide in your room. It's okay. You say these. I'm okay with it. It's not the end of the world. They think it's the end of the world. That's what Hashem was saying over here. You don't have to hide. The other said, I can't be standing in front of you. No, not at all. And then he said, and then the, he, he, blamed the, he blamed the woman that she gave him to eat from the tree. And whatever it is, he got punished for that because he was uh, the kafei toiv. Spiritually, how do we know? Maybe, maybe when you do an avera, you're taka not dressed. Spiritually. Like you, you can't, you know, like Hashem doesn't want to look at you. Like you're finished, you're done. You're done. I did an avera, Hashem, you, right? They, they try to, the Sultan tries to sell you that. How do you know that's not true? So one of the most beautiful psukim in the whole Torah is the last is Pasuk Chaf Aleph right before Ravi. Vayas Hashem alekim laadam uliishtoi kosnas or vayalbishem. Hashem made for Adam and his wife kosnas or clothing of leather vayalbishem and he dressed them. So that, that's what it looks like if you just learn the pasuk. According to what I just said right now. And what they were saying was that I'm, I'm, I didn't have Eira, so you, I'm done with Hashem, you're done with me, right? So HaKosh Baruch Hu here at the last says, no, not only am I not done with you, but I'm going to redress you. You do tshuva, I don't hate you. I'm going to help you come back to who you need to be. So HaKosh Baruch Hu was the one, I don't have to make you, if you... If you did something wrong and you need clothing, I don't got to make you the clothing. If you, if you, if I, if I told you not to go, I told my little kid not to go into the snow, right? And he went into the snow and now he has a cold. I don't need to stay home all day with you and take care of you. Take care of yourself. I told you not to go in the cold. No, that's not a father. You messed up, but that doesn't mean I should let you sit home and be sick. So, I'll tell your story just really fast. Just came to my head. So, so last week a Rosh Hashiva came over to me. This blew me away. Rishiba came over to me and he said that, um, that, it's a very funny story, you could repeat this. But it's a true story. So, so there's a boy and he's very off the derech. He's like really messing around. And they need a yeshiva for him. So they went to this yeshiva for kids that are off the derech. And Rishiba met the boy and this kid, he doesn't keep Shabbos and he doesn't do a lot of other things. Rishiba came out and told the rabbi who's looking to place this boy He's not bad enough for our yeshiva yet. He's not bad enough yet. He meant it. He's not, he's not that low yet. He's not that bad yet. This guy's like, uh, what do you mean? He says, he says, when he gets worse, you can bring him back. So he told him. He's like, he said, Rashiva, can I, can I tell you, can I just tell you what you sound like? Rashiva says, sure. He says, Let me tell you a story. This guy gets a really bad cold now. Is it changing the seasons? A lot of people, everyone here, I'm just telling you, you should, I don't want to get into trouble politically. You should take a flu shot. You should take a flu shot. I know if you don't believe it, if you don't, if you don't believe in taking these shots, don't take it. But if you do believe, don't wait till you get the flu. And, and, and I asked the doctor this week, I said, why do you think we're going to have a bad flu season? It's because in Australia, it's now became summer. It was winter. Our summer is their winter. They had the worst flu season, season that they ever had. Their winter had a terrible flu season. So they're thinking, but anyway, 
if you believe in vaccinations, don't wait till it's too late. I don't know where that came up from, but whatever. Okay. But anyway, so, so I'll tell you why, what it came up. So this guy comes to the doctor. This is such a cute story. The guy comes to the doctor and he tells the doctor that I have a very, he, has, he had a very bad cold. The doctor looks at him talking about a bad cold. He's sneezing and he's coughing. He says to him, listen to me. We just had a big snowstorm. Tonight, go outside in your underwear, roll in the snow, and then sit outside in the, in the, in the cold for five hours, and then come back to me. So the patient says to the doctor, are you crazy? I'm going to catch pneumonia. And the doctor says, that's what I want. So he says, to, you want me to catch pneumonia? He says, yes. A common cold, we don't have a cure for. Pneumonia, we have a cure for. So get pneumonia, then we'll give you antibiotics. Mishigana. Right? So, he said, so he told the Rosh Hashiva, that's what you're telling me to do. You're telling me he's sick, but he's not that sick. Get him real sick, then we'll take care of him. Anyway, that was the muscle. Anyway. So, I don't even know why I told you that muscle, but it just, it just came up. So, what? The boy got into yeshiva. Yeah, of course the boy got after that muscle. He's like, what are you waiting for the guy to die? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway. It's very... Well, it's, I think he said that because then the boy didn't think that it was so bad and he was going to think that, oh, I'm so... The boy would... Right. But, but I can tell you from my experience that, that if you wait for the kid to fall all the way... Right, so I've, I've had girls that have come to BCA and she just... She, she doesn't belong there yet. Right? But I realized after a few years... If <clears throat> you send them back into the street, then when she comes back, Humpty Dumpty's in so many pieces. If I only have two broken pieces, I can put them back together. But if you bring me back a kid that's in a hundred pieces, I might not be able to put them back together. So I'm not going to wait until they're in a hundred pieces. Yeah, in the beginning, I did. What? I'm going about this boy. He's not going to become... Yeah, he wasn't in school. He's in the street. He's up till four o'clock no, in the morning. No, he was bad. He said he's not bad enough for this yet. And what does he do with that sense? <laughs> no. He, no, so you don't, know, you don't know boys. He's like, I'm not so bad, I'm going to get really bad. It's not a compliment, I'm not so bad. If you're bad, you're bad, a compliment is, wow, I've never met anyone this bad in my life. Compliment's not, oh, you're so good. They don't want to hear that, I'm so good. I'm not so good. You think I'm good? I'll show you I'm not good. Right, but right now he needed to get him into yeshiva. So that whole story of all that, I got to give it to Yeshiva. Don't wait till he's, till he's so bad. You, you can't take that chance. Why didn't you go to a better Yeshiva? Nobody, no, right, but nobody, nobody would take him. He couldn't get him into any other Yeshiva. But then the kids get influenced and they'll come out work. You have to make it, right. But, but this Yeshiva is a, is a place where like kids, they hang out for a while and then they get better. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was it's a good marshal. It's like the cold. I can't, I can't cure the cold, but if you have pneumonia, I can cure you. Which is very silly. It's just, it's just a muscle. It makes no sense. Why? Let's see if anyone... Put on your thinking head. Okay, so why don't we do that? If someone has a common cold, you can't, right? Get them, get pneumonia, and then cure them. No, because you didn't, you're still not curing the cold. You're just giving him another disease that you could cure. So now he has pneumonia and a cold. So if you cure the pneumonia, he still has the cold. No, you didn't hear what, I, what I'm saying. You have a cold and pneumonia, so now I'm giving you pneumonia, antibiotics, I'm getting rid of your pneumonia, but you still have your cold. I, I just gave you another disease. I didn't fix you. What? Did you go to school with bad influence just because 
you, you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision of where this kid is going. The, 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 the story, according to this Rebbe that told me the story, was that the, the yeshiva just didn't, want to, just didn't want to take another boy in. Like, he felt, he, he knows the yeshiva and, like, this kid belongs there. He didn't bring him stamazai. He belonged in that yeshiva. And so many times you meet a kid and the parents are like, well, she doesn't belong in your school. Then you talk to the kid and you find out what she's really doing. The parents have no idea. You have to, you have to, it's, it, I don't allow, I don't allow into my high school any girls that will learn new activities. You know, you never talk to a boy. You're not coming to my, you're not coming. To, I, I'm not going to put you in a school where girls are talking about talking, you know, with boys. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you're not going to learn new stuff. But sometimes girls, like the parents don't know, but, you know, like, oh, my daughter, sh- oh, you're not, you have girls that aren't Shema Shabbos in your school? Oh, she can't go here. And then I talk to a girl, and like, my parents don't know, I'm in my room all day with my phone watching movies. They have no idea. So you have to meet the kid. Because the kid, you find out that you may be very, so then, okay, then you belong to my school, I'm going to try to be my car review. But if, you, if you're Shema Shabbos, then I'm not going to put you with a bunch of girls that are not Shema Shabbos because they're peer pressure, you're going to end up not being Shem Shabbos. Everyone else is not Shem Shabbos. You're not going to be Shem Shabbos. All right. So, um, what was that discussion that I had today? Yes. Yeah, so, so I was just talking to Jackie Bitone. <clears throat> she's speaking somewhere tonight. So I was talking to Jackie Bitone, and she said that she's talking about relationships tonight, the three most important relationships in your in your life. She talks about relationships most of the time. She's a, she's amazing. So she said that's what she, she said. I'm going to. I'm speaking to the Spider community, and um, so what do you think? So so she said. So I said, what are your three most important relationships? So the most important relationship is your relationship with God. The second relationship is your relationship with your parents, your siblings, your, your, your husband, your whatever. I'm like, nope, I don't agree. I said, the most important relationship that a person has is himself. More than God? It sounds like it's not from. So let me tell you a secret. Let me tell you a secret. When you have a relationship with yourself, being that God lives within you, automatically, your relationship with Hashem. When you have a healthy relationship with yourself, you automatically have a healthy relationship with your mother and father, because there are three partners in every person, a mother, a father, and Hashem. So she's like quiet on the other end of the phone. Because to get up, to get up in front of a group of Jewish people and say, the most important relationship is you and yourself sounds not from. Because you're supposed to say the most important relationship is you and God. But you can't get to that relationship if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself. Now, how do I know that? I also, how can you say that? Because, what did Akiva say? What is the essence of Judaism? He didn't say relationship with God. Why didn't he say that? Rabbi Kiva, relationship with God. No, he said, that you have to love your friend as much as yourself. What does that mean? You have to love yourself because if, if the Torah tells me that I should love my friend as much as myself, my friend over here, I have a friend, you don't know him, he's always invisible, right? I've been drinking too much tea. His name is, his name is Chaim, okay? Now, according to this, according to the Torah, I have to love Chaim as much as myself. I hate myself. I think I'm a loser. I think I'm ugly. I think I'm stupid. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you an example. I don't really think that, right? <laughs> At least the stupid part. But anyway, so right. So now, 
if the Torah is telling me to love him as much as I love myself, so that means I have to think he's stupid, ugly, and miserable. If the mitzvah is to love him as much as I love myself. I hate, on a level of 1 to 10, I hate myself 9. So that means I have to hate him 9. So the first thing I need to work on is to be a, a healthy kamocha. Because if I am healthy, then my relationship with him, the mitzvah in the terms of how to be is, is, is to be, is to, is to love him as much as myself. So, so the Zek Klaal Gadol Batayra, he was smart enough to say that, you know what the Klaal Gadol is? Who's your best friend? Who's your best friend in this world? Yourself. Yourself. No one can hurt you as much as you can hurt yourself. No one will ever make you happier than you can make yourself happy. Trust me, I'm telling you this from a lot of experience, life experience. No one can hurt you except yourself. Even if someone tries to hurt you, if you could have, pick, pick your chin up and get past it, then then you're good. And this segues me into my last thought. I know I'm keeping you very late tonight. And that's Noach. Very short. Very short. Rav Simcha Wasserman said the following beautiful, amazing Vatayra on Pasha's Noach. And he said <coughs> that Noach, we know, I'm, I'm not getting into the whole thing of Noach. Noach is tzaddik. He was a very big tzaddik. Rashi says, not such a big tzaddik because he didn't save the world. If you're a tzaddik for yourself but you don't help other people, you're not a big tzaddik, right? So Rashi says, if you lived in the time of Avram, who was always worried about other people, not himself, then he wouldn't have been anything special. Anyway, but it calls Noach Ish Tzaddik. There's another time in this week's parasha that Noach is described as an Ish something. I want to read you what he is. He comes out of the, he comes out of the Teva. By Yochal Noach. And Noach disgraced himself. Ish Adama. He's a man of the earth. Dropped from Ish Tzadik to the low of an, of an earth man, of a, a man of the earth. And the Pesach says, Vayichel. He ashamed himself. Why? What did he do? Vayita Karem. He planted a vineyard. That makes you an Ishadama? Yeah. What happened? So when he came out of the when he came out of the table, he saw the whole world was destroyed. His friends are gone, his favorite grocery store is gone, the shul on the corner is gone, everything's gone. There's nothing in the world. There's nothing. A bunch of animals with him? Nothing. He went into severe depression. Trauma. You want trauma? He needs a therapist. You want trauma? Right? He needs some DBT. He got he had some Post-trauma stuff going on. PTSD. He was in big trouble. So he comes out of the Teva. What does he do? He's like, oh man. I got Rabbi Wallstein. I just have a miserable life. This happened and this happened and that happened. I got to go out and get blitzed. I got to smoke up. I can't deal with this. I'm, <laughs> I'm done. So first thing he does, he comes out. He doesn't open a shul. He comes out and he says, I got to get a drink. Let's plant. It says that it was this, this plant was from the Eitzadas, and the, the measure says that it was, a vi, it was a vine of grapes, and it grew, fermented, became wine, and everything in one day. So, what, he sh- what should have he done, girls? What should have he done? Trauma! 
The world's gone. There's no one here. There's no Apple store. There's nowhere to go. There's no one to talk to. Rebuild. What? Rebuild. Don't live in the past. Don't live in your trauma. What he should have planted, says Rav Simchawasamid, was wheat. He should have planted food for the generations that are coming. Instead, he said, I'm going to bed drunk. I can't deal with this. He says, that's not an ish. Elohim. That's an ish adama. That's a person who lives in his pain and gives up and doesn't look forward, but only looks backwards. He said, and that's why the Torah drops him from this beginning where he calls him a tzadik, and a person needs to know. Now, where did this whole story, where did this happen with Ratzim Chalasimin? It happened at the end of World War II in the Holocaust. A man came to him and said, what, what, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? And Ratzim Chalasimin said, instead of living in the Holocaust, and, and, right, you need to plant a new world for the next generations. And Rekachaya, our grandfathers and great-grandfathers and great-grandmothers, they came to America, they couldn't speak a word of English, they had nothing, right? And they planted our communities and everything that we have, right? All these, Bar Park, Flatbush, Lakewood, all these communities and everything came from people who came out of a Holocaust, who came out of a Teva, and there was no world, there was no Jewish world. Came out of a, a, a flood, a mob, a mob hit the world, the Holocaust, and they come out of this Teva, and their friends are dead, and their families are dead, and their towns are dead, and their shuls are gone, and, and they came out of a Teva like Noach did. And they came to Rav Simcha Wasserman and they said, what do we do? He said, don't make the mistake he did. Don't, don't live in your pain. Plant a field. Plant wheat. Plant for the future. We have all these yeshivas. I mean, we, we, we have kids off the derech and stuff, but there's never been daf yet. There's never been Torah. We're about to have a Siyam HaShas with 60,000 people. It's never happened in the history of how many people are learning Torah and how many Beis Yaakov and how, many, how, how much chesed and how many mitzvahs where did this come from? This came from the Holocaust. This came from people who walked out of the Teva and came to a world where there was no Judaism. They came to America. There was nothing. There was no Shabbos. There was no Yeshivas. There was nothing. And they planted wheat. They planted the future. And that's how we have to look at our lives. And even though we're going through things, and Kleinsoy is having a very hard time, and we have a lot of tragedy, and a lot of things that are going wrong, but you, you, can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't build a vineyard and get yourself drunk. Because at the end of the day, look what happened to him. Look what happened to Chum. Look, what, look at the story that happened after he got drunk. Terrible, terrible story that happened. And his child got cursed, Chum forever, from it. Because he didn't look at the future, he looked at his pain. So that's what we have to get. And we also have to spend our time, even on a glass of hot water or ice or regular water or a bottle of cold water, and think about that, that the water was here before the world, but what Hashem did with the water, and that he put temperatures and I, I, I find ice fascinating. I find it fascinating that, that you can go outside tonight and it's raining, and that if it drops to 31 degrees, it's snowing. And it's a whole different snow and ice and sled riding and skiing and all this. And it's like a whole different world. It's the same water. It's, it's amazing. And, and that, realizing that Hashem did that for you when you're drinking a glass of ice or eating an ice cream or an ice is appreciating that He did for you, that you're in His garden, that's the jewel. That's the jewel that he brought back to the king. That's the understanding of God and what he does. So every week, we're going to try to learn some kind of science fact, something that's interesting, that we can see the, the toy of that Akash Baruch is doing for us.
Thank you very much. Have a good night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.